Okay, well, I just wanted to start off by telling you about a story that I heard. I heard a story about these three men were driving in the Jeep, and they, and they came to this big, giant river, and they didn't know how to cross it. So they got down, and they sat, and they sat, and then after a few hours, they decided to pray. So the first man prayed, and he said, God, give me the strength that I need in order to cross the river. So all of a sudden, he developed these big, giant arms and legs, and he, he swam across the river for two hours, got to the other side. The next man prayed, God, give me the tools that I need in order to cross this river. So, so all of a sudden, God gave him this rowboat, and he had this boat, and he rowed and he rowed until he finally got to the other side. The third one said, God, give me the wisdom that I need to cross this river. And all of a sudden, poof, God turned him into a woman. He looked at the map, went five minutes up the stream and crossed over the bridge to the other side. Well, anyway, that was a story that I heard. So I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And the scripture talks about weapons because there are times, even as Christians, when we find ourselves in a battle. It might be a financial battle. It could be a battle over your health or your family or your children or your job. But we don't fight the way that the world fights. The, the world fights using violence, gossip cursing people out, intimidation, bullying, cheating. They say, oh, now you don't know who you mess with. Now you mess with the wrong person. That's not the way that, that we battle as Christians. Because God has given us spiritual weapons and that there's a story in the Old Testament that reveals what these weapons are. And it's a story about a king named Jehoshaphat. And he was a king in the southern kingdom of Israel. And suddenly he was in trouble. So I'm going to read from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. In other words, enemies are coming from all around you, and they're at your doorstep. And, and these, these enemies were the typical enemies of Israel back then. The Moabites were people who lived in Moab. The Ammonites was an army from Ammon. The Muonites were those who lived in a place called Muon. 
So what do they call people who live in Paris? Oh, parasites. And back then they also had the socialites who loved to gossip with the websites, you know, those. And Joshua's, Joshua's favorite, the Jedi Knights. But in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. You see, sometimes things can happen to you from out of nowhere. Suddenly, you might get laid off from work or get a bad medical report. Or then someone knocks at your door with a summons from court and it can leave you feeling overwhelmed and helpless. Just like King Jehoshaphat. He was facing an army. There was no way he was going to battle all these forces that were coming against him. And in those situations, so many times I've seen the people of God panic, get angry, and walk away from God. All of a sudden, they disappear from church. They leave their position. They walk away from the blessing. And I ask them, well, what happened to you? Well, I got a lot of problems. I got to stay home and figure them out. You ain't going to figure out your problems. The only way you, you overcome your problems, you better get here in the presence of God. But Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, he stood his ground. He refused to quit. He refused to run. He refused to surrender to the enemy. But he stood his ground and he began to cry out to the Lord in prayer. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, after you've done it all, now stand. You did your part. You did all you can do. But now you, you take a stand. Don't allow your circumstances to push you away from God or his blessings. Don't allow fear to knock you out of the job that God placed you in or push you out of your marriage. Whatever it is God has placed you in, sometimes the enemy is going to try to gang up against you to cause you to panic and run. And the Bible says, when the enemy's at your doorstep, you don't run, you stand. If you got to keep standing, you keep standing. It means you keep going back. The job is hard, but I'm going to go back one more time. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm not going to let the enemy cause me to lose the business or the job that God gave me. You see, sometimes for me, ministry is hard, discouraging. But I already made a decision that I refuse to quit. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how loud the enemy begins to torment and roar, I got to choose that I'm going to stand in what God gave me. And every one of you have to make the same choice. Whatever it is God's placed in your hand, the minute you decide to run, you lose. You 
God only calls you to take a stand and you win. And Jehoshaphat, he stood on the promises of God. See, he, he remembered what God said in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God promised the Israelites. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. You see, when you cry out to God, he hears your promises. Sometimes you got to get bold. You pray and you get right in God's face. This ain't no game for little kids. This is for tough guys. You get right in God's face and you say, God, you promised. You said in your word, God, that you would supply all of my needs and I can't pay this bill. That's how you pray. You pray with boldness. It's not about the words that you don't use fancy words. But you come to God with boldness and faith. He said you come boldly right into the throne room, right where he's sitting. And you walk right up to him and you say, God, you said by your stripes we are healed. Where's my healing? You hold God to his promises. See, that's the first weapon that we have against the enemy. We begin to cry out to God in prayer. And don't allow people to talk you out of God's promises. Sometimes maybe you're dealing with a sickness, and then you'll tell someone, I'm praying, and they'll say, oh, no. But my uncle, he had the same sickness, and he never recovered. Don't tell me what happened to you or what happened to your uncle. I stand on the word of God. And if the Bible says I'm healed, it doesn't matter who did what. If someone else prayed and they went broke, I stand on the word of God that says that he will pour out blessings into my lap that will overflow. You stand on the word. You better know that word. In these days, if you don't know the word of God, you don't have anything to stand on. You better begin to memorize the promises of God for your life. That he is your protector, your provider. That he is your all in all. That he will sustain you. You see, you can't be moved by anything in this world but the word of God. And what happened suddenly, as Jehoshaphat and, and all Israel, they began to pray. It suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke through one of the prophets. In verse 15, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, 
This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be dis- do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. You know what that means? When somebody messes with you, they're messing with God. The Bible says that you are the apple of God's eye. And when somebody comes against you, it's like they're poking their finger right in the eye of God. And he says, I will contend with those who contend with you. In in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, it talks about a, a man named Saul who later repented and became Paul the apostle. But back then, he hated the church. He persecuted Christians. He threatened to kill them and throw them in jail. And one day, God appeared to him, and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Saul never persecuted Jesus. He he persecuted the people of God. You know what that means? When somebody lays their hands on you, they're laying their hand on the almighty God, the captain of the army of the host. You got a father in heaven. And when somebody's persecuting you, they're persecuting him. When there's injustice against you, it's injustice against him. You see, the battle you face today in your home, in your job, with your health, in your school, is not your fight. There's a God who will fight for you. He fights in your behalf, and it doesn't matter how big the army is. In Exodus 14, 13, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. And behind them was the whole power of the mighty Egyptian army that could have wiped them all out in two seconds. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again forever. In other words, don't worry about the size of the battle. Worry about the size of your God because he's greater. He's more mighty than any army, than any, any sickness or disease. He is Lord of all. What does the scripture say? I stand and I see the salvation of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 32, 7, God gave a message to King Hezekiah. He said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. Do you know there's a power far greater than the bill that you can't pay? Than the massive debt you've accumulated? There's a God in heaven. There's a power 
who's greater than cancer, heart disease, who causes the lame to walk and the blind to see. And he is on your side. You see, God gave Jehoshaphat the king, he gave him a strategy. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 16, here's what God told him to do. Tomorrow, march down against them. In other words, you face that army. I don't care how many soldiers. I don't care how many weapons they have. You're a child of God. You don't back down. When you get bad news, you you don't turn around and run. He say, you march against it. You face that giant. You face your enemy. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. That's all God's asking you, just to stand firm. Stand in your faith. It says in the book Isaiah that in these last days that we're in, those who do not stand by faith, you're not going to stand at all. The enemy is going to kick you right out of position. You don't have to be tough. You don't have to fight. All God's asking you is to be faithful, to take your place, to take your stand. And he's saying, you will not have to fight that battle. That's a word for somebody here today. There's someone here, and you're facing a mighty issue, a big problem. And the Lord is telling you right now, you will not have to fight that battle. Just take your position and stand. Stand in the word. Stand in your faith. You see, God didn't tell them just to ignore the battle and do nothing. And King Jehoshaphat, he came up with a strategy. And his strategy was worship. Worship? You mean the big, all these armies are coming against them? And they're going to sing some songs? That's what it says. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out in the head of the army. They sent the singers out first in the battle. See, us, we, we would send out the mighty warriors, the big guys with, with the big swords. But King Jehoshaphat, he knew that the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. If you think that you're going to defeat the enemy using the things of this world, you're in trouble. Your, your weapons are spiritual. Your worship is your weapon. Maybe while you were worshiping this morning, you thought, wow, that was nice. We sang some, some nice songs today. 
Wow, we had a good... That's not what you were doing. While you were singing, God was kicking devils right out of your house. You were trampling on the gates of hell as you worship, as you sing. That's your greatest weapon against the enemy. No matter what you're going through, you just begin to lift your hand to God and you begin to praise him. You begin to sing to him. Tell him that he is good and his mercy endures forever. Declare his goodness in the midst of the struggle. And as they began to sing, all of a sudden the enemy armies began to fight each other. God brought confusion in their camp, and the, and the Israelites won a great victory that day. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the size of their army or the heart of their soldiers. They threw down everything. They turned to the Lord and they said, God, we praise you. If you wake up in the 2 o'clock in the morning and you're feeling totally overwhelmed by everything pressing in on you, you know what you do? You say, God, you are good. I worship you, God. And as you begin to praise him, God is bringing confusion in the camp of your enemy. He's defeating all, all those Demonic powers and principalities and strongholds. Those things are too big for me to fight, but I just worship him. I stay hidden under the shadow of his wings. I hide myself, the Bible says, in the cleft of the rock, and Jesus is the rock. I, I don't have to fight because I trust in him. I believe in him. I stand on his word. You see, God says that he's your present right now help in times of trouble. God told Israel to be bold and courageous. Being courageous doesn't mean that I don't feel afraid. There's many times, whether you knew it or not, that I stood right here preaching the word of God, coming out of death, devastating situations, and totally full of fear. That doesn't make me not bold. Bold means I give in to that emotion. I might feel fear, but I refuse to cave in. It's not about how you feel. You could feel terrified. Boldness and, and courage means I face my fear. I stand up against it. I do what I have to do as a man or a woman of God, as, as a mother, as a father, a wife, a husband, as, as a worker, as a minister. Whatever it is you're called to do, we don't give in to those emotions. You see, it means that in spite of what I feel or, or how desperate things appear, I will not turn back. In Psalm 3, verse 5, King David said, 
I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. David said, no matter what the devil's doing, I can fall asleep. I can just lay down and rest because I trust you, God. I know you're going to provide. I know, God, that you're going to make a way where there is no way. I know, God, you're going to bring the breakthrough. When the battle was over, the Israelites renamed the battleground, and and they called it the Valley of Blessing. You see, God is going to turn your battleground into a, a place of blessing and praise. The place where you're fighting the most, that's where your greatest blessing is. Don't give up. You keep battling. I'm going I'm to ask Lee to come, and she's going to share a little. Then we got to do some warfare. So I have a few questions for you this morning. Oh, that's all right. All right. What I want to know is who in here has ever had a dream? Literal and figurative of the future, of your destiny, a dream in your heart. Who in here has ever had a vision? Having a dream and having a vision are just a little bit different. A vision, if you could you know, take your mind there with me for a moment. A vision is like a daydream because you're totally conscious. See, a dream in the night is when you're totally out of a state of consciousness. And all of a sudden, you, en- you, vision, you envision something while you're dreaming. But when you, vi- when you have a vision, you can see it. You can see it when you walk into your church. You can see it when you wake up in the morning. You can see it when you're having really bad days at work. You can see it that vision when your bank account is really low. You can see that vision while you're awake when your kids are acting up. Who has ever had a vision? A vision for better. A vision for more. A vision that God would do greater things. I'm glad that so many hands went up because that's how I know the spirit is alive and well in you. But who has ever been given a prophetic word? We are a very prophetic church, so I expect many hands to go up in this house. Who has ever been given a prophetic word? Maybe you've looked inside the Bible And you've grabbed and you've laid a hold of something in there. And you've said, this is my prophetic word. Raise your hand. All right. Has anyone in this place ever submitted themselves into a place of patience where you've said, I'm going to wait on God? Anyone in here? Anyone? Just want to know I'm not on my own this morning. I want to know that I am not preaching to myself. Amen. What happens sometimes is, We're filled with vision. We're filled with dreams. We're filled with the word of God. We're filled with the prophetic. And so my last question to you is, who in here has ever had life happen to them? When I say life, I mean curveballs being thrown your way. I mean financial difficulties. Everything that Pastor Gary was just talking about. A loved one gets sick. The job gets lost. All those things right? Life happens. And then all of a sudden we become disoriented. And I can't tell you how many times in my own life that I've been disoriented where the enemy has thrown these darts at me or life, 
let's not give all the credit to the enemy, right? Because Jesus promised us the same way he promises salvation. He promised us there would be days of trouble. So he promised us that there, that we would see trouble. So even when just trouble has come my way, sometimes it kind of like shakes me like, whoa. And I kind of get dizzy for a second and I begin to forget, wait, but God said this. And so as many of you know, recently, you know, earlier this year, my husband went through a health battle and he had a pulmonary embolism and the doctors had told us that he could have died and that rocked my world. And on top of that, I was dealing with many other health issues with family members and it just became a really heavy season for like the past two years. And I've shared from the pulpit that I went through major anxieties, major anxieties. I had panic attacks in the night. I couldn't sleep. I thought I was going to die. That's how bad the panic attacks were. And I had to remember in those moments to worship, to call on the Lord, right? Because it's a choice we make. And I'm like, am I going to sit here and give in to the feeling of death? Or am I going to consciously make a decision to lay hold of the vision God gave me in good times and declare those things in these moments, in the valley, when I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, am I going to lay hold? So I did make those choices, except what I realized is this. Some of those visions that I had, some of those prophetic words that I had started to shut down in me. And I realized that my prayer life had been changing. And I realized that I was not praying according to the future anymore. I was very fixated on the present because there was so much trouble in front of me that it was like I didn't know how to pray for what was ahead or to declare the promises anymore because I got so stuck in today. Now, I'm not saying that we, we, that we shouldn't be present in our circumstances. We absolutely should, and we should speak words of faith, but we should not get stuck there. That is not the will of God. And I started to become dry in my prayer life, and I was like, God, I don't understand what's happening to me. And so just like this, and I did not know, because in true Pastor Gary form, he asked me at the last minute to come speak to you guys, right? So like I told you, we've been on vacation all week long in Mexico. Did not know that Pastor Gary was going to ask me to talk. And so I had a dream because you all know I'm the dreamer, right? (laughs) I have dreams. And I had a dream while I was in Mexico. And the dream was this. I was standing in an old church that I used to attend, and it was called Revelation. So you could imagine Revelation. God's given me Revelation, right? And I'm standing in this church, and there's a prophet in the house. And she begins to call out people, and she begins to prophesy over them. And for those of you who know my spiritual journey, you know that we've had um, some very negative experiences with prophets and prophet liars and people who called themselves godly and were not. So in the dream, I was very skeptical of her ministry, and I began to just sort of take a step back. I didn't want to participate because I was jaded. Anybody ever been jaded? Any, anybody ever in here been cynical? or skeptical of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Come on now. Because sometimes it just doesn't feel real with all that you're walking through. How could this possibly be unto me, these good things, when all hell is breaking loose? So anyway, in my dream, I was skeptical. And she comes over to me, and she vigorously begins to tap my shoulder. And she says, you, you, come here, come here. And I was hesitant. And I kind of was rolling my eyes in my head, like, oh, I don't, you know, listen, (laughs) I got the word. I don't need you to prophesy to me. I'm good. 
I'm over those days of chasing profits. I'm not there anymore. I'm good. She could tell that I was hesitant. And so she called me again. And this time she was a little bit more aggressive. And I was like, okay, she's being too aggressive now. Because these are the actual feelings that I have in my dream, like, that I remember. And anyway, I came out because I didn't want to dishonor her. And there were people watching. And so I, in the dream, I step out. And she begins to lay her hand on me. And before she could even fully touch me, I drop to my knees because I feel the presence of God so strongly in the dream. And I'm overcome with a weighty presence of God. And I drop to my knees. And then all of a sudden, my, I fall to my face. And my face is on the ground. And I'm like overwhelmed with almost like a holy fear of God, knowing that I've never felt the spirit of God so strong that in that moment, but I'm also saying, but I feel so comforted. And I was waiting for her to give me a prophetic word. So she bends down to me in my dream and she goes to my ear because my face is on the floor. And she says, now tell God what he's going to do. And it stunned me and it confused me and it almost felt not holy. And so I do nothing because I'm scared. (laughs) I'm like, I'm in the presence of almighty God. And she just told me that I have to tell God what he's going to do. So I say nothing and I say quiet. She bends down to my ear again and she says, now more aggressively, Now tell God what he's going to do. And I felt in that moment that I was being tested. I'm like, do I remember? And I remember being afraid and saying, do I remember the answer to this question? Do I remember what it is that God said that he was going to do for me? Have I become so jaded and disoriented by the trouble that I faced that I can't even recall the promises and what he said to me? And so as I stayed on in the dream, as I stayed on the floor for the next few moments, I remembered. It was like he brought it back to my remembrance. And I started, as I was on the floor, trembling in my mouth, I started to say, he said he would take me to the nations. He said that he would provide for me. He said that he would prosper me. And I started saying all the promises of God out of my mouth, and I was scared to death. And I realized that when I woke up from the dream, I was so scared because I was afraid it wasn't going to happen. And the Lord began to convict me and he began to say, do you want to know why you've been praying to me? You've been asking me what's the problem in your prayer life? Why don't I feel you the way, I, the way you used to feel me? And he began to tell me because you've let go of the promises. And he showed me, he said, because in Isaiah, come on, because you know, we got to go to the word. Don't just take a dream for a dream. Don't just take a prophet for a prophet. Don't just take a sermon for a sermon. You better go home and you better check that word out for yourself. Because anything the Holy Spirit speaks to you will line up with the word of God. So I went right to scripture. And I went to Isaiah 43, 26, where he says, God says, put me in remembrance. He says, let us argue together, set forth your case that you might be justified. And he said to me, speak unto me the works that I've declared from the foundation of the world upon your future and upon the future of your family. He said to me, it's time to fight. He said, Lee, it's time to recall the promises of God. It's time to get on 
on your knees again and to declare the nations. It's time to get on your knees again and to declare the prosperity of your children and the prosperity of the church and the prosperity of your ministry. He said, don't lay down now. Don't lay down now. And we have to fight. We have to fight for the promises of God in our lives. And sometimes that will require a song in the night. That will require you to make a choice. Come on. This is not magic. This is not just something we wake up in the morning feeling like we want to do. But yet we have the Holy Spirit as our help. So that we can make the choice to get up. And to fight again. And to lift our voices unto heaven. And to shift our perspective. And to say, I'm going to magnify the victory. I'm not going to magnify the defeat. I'm not going to run away into despair. I'm not going to run away into anger. I'm not going to run away into frustration. I'm going to magnify the victory with my voice. Not only with my song, but with the words that I speak. I want you to stand to your feet. I know I'm not the only one facing a battle this morning. I know I'm not the only one who's become a little jaded and a little cynical, a little skeptical, a little doubtful. I know I'm not the only one in this house this morning. Because if that was true, God would not have given me this dream. If that was true, I would not be standing before you. If that was true, I wouldn't have the courage to stand so vulnerable and open. So this morning, I want us to sing. I want us to sing a battle song. It was a year ago. It was about a year ago today that I introduced that song to the church. This is how I fight my battles. And this morning, if you're fighting a battle and you're saying, I need my, my perspective to shift, I want you to come to the front. Because there's something powerful about your declaration, something powerful about your praise, something that reaches into the heavenlies, something that happens not by might and not by power, but that can only happen by the spirit of the living God. And when you release your praise and when you release your worship and when you release your faith in a safe place within a community of believers who will stand with you, something will happen. Something miraculous will happen. Something glorious will happen. Something supernatural will happen. So I declare this morning that as we sing and as we worship, that chains will break. That the prison doors of your faith that have been locked up because you've remained cynical and jaded, and I don't condemn you for that, but I believe that prison door is going to break wide open. It's going to cause your faith, the Spirit of God is going to cause your faith to flourish in hard things. In hard things. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to sing out a song of the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. oh Oh, we lift you high, Lord. 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 O
The guy that says, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever need anything, just call me first. As soon as he checks his caller ID, he ain't answering if he knows you got trouble. But there's a God in heaven, he says, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. So whatever it is you're battling right now, that bill, that issue in your home, the problem with your kids, that horrible co-worker that torments you, the depression that you face when you walk in the house, whatever that battle is right now, just give it to God. You're not going to have to fight this battle. The battle is not yours. Let it go. Let that thing go. Don't let it weigh you down one more day. It's not going to steal from you. Not one more second. God, we give it to you. You said, God, in your word, Lord God, that we would overcome. That we would trample on the gates of hell. Just begin to cry out to him. Even before the worship team closes, you do it. Stop. If you can't do it here, you're not going to do it at home with the enemy standing right in your doorstep tormenting you. You got to learn to do it right here. Say, God, I love you. God, you are good. Just, just begin to cry out. You got to tell him. Don't be ashamed. We are unashamed lovers of the Most High God. Oh, God, help us. We are a needy people, God, but we worship you. Father, there's trouble, Lord God. We feel overwhelmed, oh God. Sometimes, God, we feel defeated, but we worship you. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. You are great. You are a great and mighty God. You are above all. Above all powers. We love you, Jesus. This is how That's it, fight! This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Get engaged! This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I
Amen. Just for a minute, I'm going to ask just the drums to play. Because I started hearing a war cry from heaven. I started to hear that God is on the move. This is the battle cry of the Lord. surrounded when you leave these doors it's going to look like you're surrounded by the enemy but you're surrounded by Jesus you're surrounded by a mighty angel surround you every day of your life so when you leave this place today leave with a confidence as though like you know back in the days you had somebody dudes you hang out with and you act hard but you can't you ain't really hard but you know you got boys that will handle your business. You got boys in heaven. You got angels and mighty army up there that's fighting your battle for you. And you can stand in the midst of your situation knowing that you are surrounded by Jesus today. I want to pray over you guys when you leave this place. I feel in my spirit so strong that so many of us are coming out of some dark seasons of our lives. We're coming out of these, these battles that we try to fight so long in our own strength that we cannot fight. And today you put those battle swords down and those shields down and those your mouth down and your attitudes down. And you stand in Jesus saying, Lord, you got this for me. All God requires you to do is to walk in him and trust him. Trust him in this new season that he's about to give you. Don't sit with the mentality thinking that it's not going to happen, not for me. When you leave things, I remember hearing this saying, when you leave things at the altar, um, don't take it back. I used to think that that means God is tempting me to a point where he, if I put something down, I still have an opportunity to take it back. When you leave it at the altar of God's feet, he snatches it away real quick so you won't take it back. That when you leave, you, you don't walk away with the same things. You have to conjure that up all over again to do the same thing. When you leave it at the altar, you're free from whatever you're dealing with. The bondages, the stress, the frustration, the lack. God wants his people to come out of the season of darkness and come into the light. To the promises and the blessings he has for you. Search the word, what the promises are for you. What God has in store for you. 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm coming out of whatever I've been in for a long time. And what I see sometimes is not always what I want to see, but I believe that this thing is going to part like the Red Sea. I'm going to walk through with the promises of God and enter into the things that God has for me and has for you guys, all of you. Amen. So, Father God, I thank you for the words that you've spoken over us today. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for your people yielding to your promises, Lord God. I thank you for your people trusting in you, Lord God, knowing that you're going to make a way, Lord God. You always make a way, even when we complain and whine and frustrated, you still make a way, Lord God. So we choose not to complain and whine anymore. And when the, the, the troubles come of life come, Lord, you know we have a promise right behind it, Lord God. You know you have a blessing, Lord, to restore double, Lord God, was robbed from us. Things that were taken away from us. Family members that were lost, Lord God. And we say, Lord, why, why, why? I thank you're going to give us double portions, Lord, for the enemy took from us, Lord God. We will stand in the midst, Lord God, of everything that comes our way, knowing, Lord God, that you are faithful to bring us through, Lord, even greater than we walked into it, Lord God. So, Father, as we leave this place, Lord God, we are blessed because you blessed us, Lord God. We are blessed because we are living you, Lord God. We trust you, Lord God, with our lives and everything you have for us, Lord God. So I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that the darkness will end, Lord God, that everyone will come into the light of their promises, Lord God, that the breakthrough will happen for Lord, that they're asking for, Lord God, that you will show off to your people, knowing, Lord God, that you are faithful, Lord God, to us always, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. And as my father would say, you are blessed, so be a blessing.